Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you here. We're in the middle of a four-part series entitled Built to Last. As I mentioned two weeks ago in lesson number one of this series, nothing that lasts happens by accident. I'm going to say that again. Nothing that lasts happens by accident. A built-to-last project has purpose and intention stamped all over it. You see, built-to-last by definition is synonymous with longevity. It's the purposeful assembly of something meaningful, something that can withstand a good degree of wear and tear. And according to the construction experts, regardless of the project you're involved in, when it comes to building, the foundation is essential. How many of you know that? What you do with the foundation is extremely important. So the goal of this series is to encourage you and to equip you to incorporate the Word of God and the principles of God into the very foundation of everything that you build. And Jesus said, when you do that, when you are concerned about the foundation, when you care about the foundation, and the foundation is solid and the foundation is sure, then the house will stand, period. No matter what comes against you, the house will stand. Now, if you've been around here at our church for a while, you know that I like to quote about a handful of verses over and over again. And and you'll hear me, the the same verses coming out of me. These verses are important to me. They become a part of me, and they're deeply embedded in my soul. And these verses are, are essential to my spiritual growth. And my spirit man depends on the truth of these verses in the same way that my physical man depends upon food. I'm going to say that again because that might seem like a pretty dramatic statement, maybe even a little extreme, especially in light of my enormous appetite, physical appetite. But my physical man, the way that it's nourished by food... The spirit man needs the word of God and the truth of God's word in the exact same way. I crave it, as a matter of fact. I absolutely have to have it. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, Jesus said it this way, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus said that. That's not just an Old Testament teaching that we've moved on from. Jesus made it very clear. He said the word of God and the principles of God and the promises of God have to become a a part of the foundation of anything that we build if we want it to last. So again, we have to be very concerned about the foundation. And my trust in God and my faith in God requires the truth of God's word. I have to have it. Anybody else? Anybody else need the Word of God? I have to have the Word of God coming in to my life, and by quoting verses of Scripture, it builds, it inspires, 
It nourishes my spirit man. So when I say or do something that's foolish, and maybe even borderline stupid, something contrary to the word of God, in order for me to look God in the eye and rise above my failure, I absolutely need verses of scripture like Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. And you've heard me quote that verse countless times. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I need that verse. I need the promise that's in that verse. And many others like it. When I get bad news, and it seems like I'm hearing bad news almost every day. Uh, news about uh, a friend or, or someone I care about uh, sick or has cancer or is going through a divorce or has been in an accident. And I'm crushed emotionally and weighed down with grief and despair. I absolutely need the truth coming from verses of scripture like Psalm 34, 18. And you hear me quote it all the time. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves or rescues those who are crushed in spirit. You see, the truth of God's word feeds me. His promises sustain me. I absolutely have to have it. And over the years, I've memorized these verses. And by the grace of God, they're a part of me. I hope you don't think that I just quote them during sermons that I preach. Or prayer meetings or Bible studies or when I'm in counseling appointments. I actually believe them. They've worked their way down into my soul where I believe them. I believe those little verses that I quote. And I believe them when life is unfair. And I believe them when life goes against me. And when it's almost impossible for me to accept the hardship that's coming my way. And so as believers, if we're going to build with longevity, if that's the goal, if that's what we're trying to do, to build something that lasts, something that will withstand the test of time, then the word of God and the promises of God and the principles of God and the truth of God's word, it has to work its way down into the foundation of our lives. It has to be there. It has to be a part of the foundation. If we expect, the house will stand. And that leads me to the subject matter for today. Generosity. Say that. Generosity. Generosity. One more time. Generosity. Generosity is the key to a rock-solid financial portfolio. Again, I'm talking about a financial building or a financial house that is unmovable, unshakable, and built to last. If you want to build a financial structure that will stand the test of time, then generosity has to be a part of it. Now, in addition to verses of scripture like Romans chapter 8 or Psalm 34, you'll also hear me quote a verse of scripture over and over again uh, in John chapter 3 and verse 16. I've referred to John 3.16 over the years as the hallmark verse of the Christian faith. It's extremely important if you're going to understand or know anything at all about Christianity. It's one of those verses that defines what Christianity is all about. 
You hear me quoted all the time. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We use John 3.16 to try to convince people to make decisions for Christ. To actually surrender their lives to him and to not only believe, to, but to sell out to the gospel message. And the reason that we do that, the reason that we talk about John 3.16 so much is because John 3.16 promises us that when we accept the gospel message, when we reach out and declare the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives, buy into all the finished work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, we have the promise of eternal life with the Father forever and ever. We secure heaven. And how many of you know, heaven is a pretty significant motivator. But I want you to understand there's a whole lot more to John 3.16 than just the promise of heaven at the second half of the verse. There's also the truth of God's character that's contained in the first half, where it says that God so loved the world, he gave. John 3.16, the first part of it, again, the hallmark verse of the Christian faith, teaches us that the God we serve is a generous God. And not only is he a generous God, he's a loving God. And the two go hand in hand. God so loved the world he gave. The fact is, generosity is love in action. Can I get you to say that? Generosity is love in action. And the reason why I ask you to repeat it is not just to make sure that you're awake, I, I'm sure you are, but it helps when you put it on the inside. I mean, all the senses help, right? I mean, you can read it, you can see it, but when you say it, something happens. Generosity is love and action. You see, you can be generous, and you can give some of your stuff away, and do that without love. I'm going to say it again. You can be generous and you can show generosity without love. The Bible calls that giving out of compulsion or obligation or guilt or because someone put some pressure on you. So you can be generous without love, but check it out. You cannot love and not be generous. This is important. This will change the way that you think. You can be generous without love, but you can't love and not be generous. Generosity is a byproduct of love. It flows out of a loving heart. Unless you forget, we spent the first four weeks of this year, the entire month of January, talking about the importance of love. And more specifically, how to love one another, how to genuinely love in the same way that Jesus loves us. And can you tell me again where Jesus got that whole concept of love that he modeled during his earthly ministry? It came from the Father. Jesus was the heart of the Father in action. So the same God who loves us unconditionally, who loves us with an everlasting love, he also shows us 
tremendous compassion and generosity. He loves to give us things freely. Again, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave. Psalm 115 and verse 14, It's the Lord who gives you increase more and more for you and your children. James 1.17, Every good and perfect gift we have comes from above. From above. It comes from God. 1 Timothy 6.17, It's God who gives you richly all things to enjoy. Deuteronomy 8.18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is God who gives you the power to obtain wealth. 1 Corinthians 3.7, One plants and one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Friends, I could go on like this all morning. Verse after verse after verse, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, everywhere in between. Because the same God who loves us with everlasting love, he is generous toward his people. He loves to give us his very best. And what God says is, I want you to follow in my footsteps. I want you to emulate this same kind of generosity to the world around you, reflecting my heart. And check it out. God doesn't expect us to get there all by ourselves. Like everything else, he gives us grace. Just like he gives us grace to love people and grace to accept people and grace to forgive people when we're offended. He gives us the grace to be generous. It's God who provides us with everything we need to be generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 8 through 12 tells us that. Listen to every word of this passage I'm about to read. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, are you hearing every word? In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Verse 10, he, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Let me read that again. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion. All the time. On the authority of God's word, there is never a time when we can't be generous. Because God puts it in our heart and he also provides us with the ability to be generous. And so according to the 2 Corinthians 9 passage that we just read together, not only does God give us more than what we need, the scripture says exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think, included in his little care package is this little bag of seed so that we can sow. God gives us what we need. He gives us bread to eat. He gives us all the resources that we need. And then he says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit extra so that you can give this away. You can share this with the people around you. And God says, don't forget that little bag of seed, that little extra bag of seed, that's not for you. I'm providing it for you. It'll be in with them, all the rest of the stuff, but it's not designed for you. It's actually designed for you to give away. 
so that you can walk in the same generosity with the same kindness and caring and loving heart that I have. And so the people will know that you belong to me. I'm going to do this for you, God said. I'm going to prepare it for you. And you'll be able to do it on a regular basis. Not just once in a great while. Not just here and there or occasionally. But every time. The verse that we just read, the passage we read, says every time, on every occasion. Now, I want to back up and take a look again at one of the verses here in this passage. 2 Corinthians 9.11. Say that, 9.11. So that's a pretty important verse. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, when you're generous or when you walk in generosity, here's what's going to happen. You will be enriched in every way. The scripture says when you're generous, you're going to be enriched in every way. And, and that word enrich, it means that the quality of your life is going to improve. It's going to get better. So God says when you are generous, when you receive this grace of giving and you realize that what I'm giving you, there's a little bit of portion I want you to be generous with, it's going to enrich your life. Amen. Not the give ye, the giver. It's not going to enrich the givee's life, is what the scripture says. It's going to enrich your life. I want that to sink in. Because oftentimes we conclude that the reason that God wants us to be generous with our stuff, the reason that God wants us to give some things away is for the benefit of the less fortunate people, the people who don't have anything. And friend, that is an important concept of giving. God absolutely loves when we are willing to remember the poor and share some of our resources with those who are less fortunate. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. But well beyond the blessing that is extended to people in need, God also knows that when we walk in authentic generosity and we have caring and giving hearts, we get blessed. In fact, we get rocked. You talk to anyone who has been able to receive this grace that God has given to be generous. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they have more than anybody else. But you talk to someone who has learned this principle, who has worked this principle into the foundation of their house, and they will tell you that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because that's precisely what the word of God teaches us. It's not just the recipient of the gift who is blessed, and thank God that they are blessed. They, they need it. But we are the ones, the giver is the one who gets the enriching. Our quality of life improves when we give. And Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 confirms that. Jesus said, give. Say what? Give. Again? Give. give, and then it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I mean a good amount. And not just financial blessing we're talking about here. We're talking about the full package that God has for us. Every 
good and perfect gift, peace and joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment and having our hearts and our lives enriched and made better, all because we're willing to follow in the footsteps of our God who has taught us the combination of love and generosity. And so in our time remaining this morning, I want to give you three benefits of being generous, three benefits of generosity, three rewards or three virtues that God passes along to everyone who's able to tap into this grace of giving and follow in his footsteps. Okay, here's benefit number one. Are you ready? It's just three. Could have had five, could have had ten. But we're going to go with three. Generosity will give you a heart like God's. And I can't think of a greater reward than this one. Generosity will make you a man or a woman after God's own heart. And who else had that distinction in the word of God? A man by the name of David, King David. Most people know David as the guy who went up against the mighty Goliath and killed him with a slingshot and a stone. And he did that. 1 Samuel chapter 17 describes exactly how that went down. But long before David was a giant slayer or a warrior, he was a worshiper. He learned to surrender his heart to God. You see, David, he wanted to know God. David made it a priority in his life to understand the heart of God. And because it was such a deep desire in his heart, God showed him a few things. And I'm talking about some divine attributes of God, aspects of God that no one else picked up on in David's day. David knew some things about the mercy of God. He knew some things about the compassion and the provision of God that no one else knew about, not even until the time of Christ. And these attributes that God revealed to David, they were the very things that helped David fashion his character. It defined the kind of man that he was. And I want you to understand that in order for David to have a heart like God, he had to be willing to let go and leave behind some of his own natural impulses and tendencies. He had to change a little bit. And he chose to live differently than what was the norm during that day. You read through the, the scripture and you read through the stories of David and you'll find that he didn't respond the way that people normally respond because he had this insight that came right from the throne of God. You get to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, don't do the same things that everybody else is doing. Don't follow the crowd. Because how many know most of the time the crowd is wrong? Be willing to do things differently, to do things God's way. Because a lifestyle of generosity, 
a lifestyle of learning the blessing that comes from giving will change and transform you and it will enable you to receive some attributes, divine attributes that no one else is aware of. These attributes will help you to emulate the heart of God. All right, benefit number two. Generosity increases humility. Generosity increases humility. And I've told you countless times, humility is a God magnet. How many like when God's hanging around your place? We all do. There's nothing that will bring down blessings from heaven any faster than humility. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I mean, this is an extremely big deal with God. And I have to tell you that recently this has become the cry of my heart. One of my deepest prayers, sincere prayers, is, Lord, I know I need more humility. I I want to be more humble. And I don't recommend that prayer for everyone. I really don't. Because just about the time you start to pray that prayer, God's going to answer it. And the downside of more humility is a tremendous amount of trouble coming your way. Now I'm talking about breaking and testing and those kinds of things. And the reason, the whole purpose of spiritual testing is so that you can see what's going on in the inside of your own heart. And sometimes when you see that, it's not a pretty sight. But that's what the spiritual testing does for us. And when you pray prayers like that and you ask God to help you, he's going to do it, but you're going to get a good look at at yourself uh, from the inside. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 tells us, it says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness these 40 years, humbling you and testing you. Why? To prove or reveal your character. That's what testing does if you want to be humbled. It'll show forth your character to you. God didn't need to know what was going on in their hearts. He knew already. I mean, no, God knows everything. He knows everything that concerns us. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. And so the testing comes so that we can see what's going on. And again, sometimes when you get a, a bird's eye view, you're not going to get real crazy about it. Now, I've mentioned this to you in the past, that for 10 years of my life, from 2010 to 2018, I experienced a t- an eight-year, did I say 10? I meant eight years, eight-year trial, medical trial, for some unknown reason, and now I mean unknown to the best cardiologists in this area, my heart slipped into AFib and refused to beat in normal sinus rhythm. Well, back in August of last year, I had a medical procedure to correct that, and I want to give 101% all of the glory to God. My heart has remained in sinus rhythm for the last five and a half months. I give all the credit to God. Thank you, Lord. But during the testing time of those eight years, I got a chance to look at some things on the inside that I wasn't really happy about. Because what I saw during those testing times on the receiving end of my prayers to be more humble and more like God was a a good amount, a significant amount of pride and arrogance that I didn't even know was there. Because prior to me going into AFib, I was a pretty healthy guy. And I attributed 
my good health to my own efforts, things that I would do, my own discipline, my own diet. And I know we have to do our part, but how many of you have learned that every gift we have comes from him, including the gift of good health? He deserves all the glory. So when we start taking credit for things, it reveals a little bit of arrogance. Spiritual testing will show you what's going on on the inside. But when you're generous, when you've chosen to get more interested in someone else's problems other than your own, when you're more concerned about giving instead of receiving all the time, that's when you will develop a true heart of compassion. And compassion will always breed humility. Compassion will give you humility. So, again, benefit number one, generosity will give you a heart like God's. Generosity will increase your humility. And finally, number three, generosity will break the back of selfishness. And unfortunately, for all of us, selfishness comes naturally. It's a part of the sinful human nature. You don't have to teach selfishness to anyone, not even to children. It just happens. Recently, I was at the grocery store, and I witnessed a little five-year-old boy have a shopping trip meltdown. And I had a lot of compassion for that little kid because I felt the exact same way. I didn't want to be there. First, he started jumping up and down, and then he was screaming at the top of his lungs, and he was begging for some candy. His mom told him no, that he would get his candy when they got out into the car. But he kept carrying on and kept ramping up his protest, and so his dad buckled and gave him a little bag of gummies. As you can imagine, the mom wasn't very happy, but now the kid's quiet. He's got a big smile on his face. Well, apparently the dad loved candy just as much as the kid because as soon as that little five-year-old ripped into the gummy bag his dad asked for one that kid said no oh these are mine and the dad appealed to him he said I just want one you can have the rest the kid said no way get your own guess he forgot where the bag of gummies came from in the first place See, we don't have to teach people to be self-centered. It just comes naturally. And in addition to our natural innate selfishness, because of the sinful nature, we have a double whammy here in this country, in the country of America. Because from the time that we're old enough to read and write, we're bombarded with the idea of the American dream. And the American dream tells us that the sky's the limit. And you can have anything you want at any time as long as you're willing to work hard enough for it and sell out to it. And what happens here in this culture is oftentimes our net worth determines our self-worth. Our net worth determines our self-worth. And when you're committed to stockpiling net worth, it's almost impossible to be generous. And this is what the American dream tells us. In order for us to feel good about ourselves, we have to have more stuff and more stuff and more stuff. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, 
Paul told Timothy, command, not suggest, but command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command, not suggest, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, I've mentioned this to you before. Living here in America, we are rich. You may not think it compared to somebody else, but compared to most of the people who live in our world, we are extremely wealthy people. And so these verses apply to us. God has blessed us in this country in so many different ways. And the instruction here is for us to practice generosity. Because when you do that, it will break the hold that selfishness and greed has on us. And so again, generosity, give you a heart like God's. Generosity will increase humility, and that's a really big deal. And number three, generosity will break the back of selfishness. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it is our deep desire to be different. We don't want to be conformed to this world. We don't want to be like everyone else, Lord. We desire and we choose to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, we determine to build lasting projects. We're interested in longevity and durability. And that means we have to give some care to the foundation. And I thank you, Lord, at the very foundation of Christianity is this whole concept of generosity. In your commitment to us, your love and your compassion, your kindness, your word proves to us that you're a giving God. For God so loved the world he gave. You gave us your very best. And I pray, Lord, that something would trigger in our hearts that in addition to loving you and being obedient to your word and doing our best to reflect the goodness of God to the people around us, that we would learn the power from this grace of giving that you have given to us. I pray, Lord God, that it would change us. I pray that we would see ourselves as as rich and wealthy people, that you have given us so much. You've blessed us in so many ways. And so I ask, Lord God, that we would be careful to take that little extra bag of seed that you provide us with and set that aside for others. That we would be reminded that not everything we have is just for us. It belongs to you, and you want us to share it with the world around us. I thank you, Lord, for allowing Community Christian Church to receive this grace of giving and for our reputation to be that we are a generous people, a generous community. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. 
For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.